and welcome to So Divine. I'm Megan Skinner. And I'm Stephanie Galling. And this is our monthly podcast where we look at the astrological landscape for the month and give you tips on how to negotiate life with more consciousness and well-being. So this is our podcast for March. So March starts off with a full moon. Actually, March starts off with a full moon and ends with a full moon, kind of like cosmic bookends. So Stephanie, tell us a little bit about the full moon on March the 1st. The Virgo full moon is a full moon that has the moon in Virgo and the sun in Pisces. And each year during the Virgo full moon, we are focused on well-being. This is the really large theme and the opportunity of this time. Now, it happens to be this year with this Virgo full moon that the sun is connected to Neptune. Yes. And so at once there is, feels like there's this pull, this striving for the ultimate in well-being, this sense that we can really open ourselves up to the grace of love mm-hmm. and have that inform our sense of being, that sense of connectivity within ourselves and within ourselves to others. And yet, of course, we just have to watch. I think it's beautiful on one level that the Virgo can also help us keep us grounded, but just to watch with both the Virgo and the Pisces, not to go into a sense of um, self-blame or criticality, right? That sense of like wanting it to be perfect and wanting to be ideal, but we don't measure up. So you go into that whole cycle of self-flagellation of that you didn't measure up and, and what occurs with that. The medicine during this time really is about both gratitude and forgiveness. Right, because both Virgo and Pisces are, uh, you know, uh, the polarity there has a lot to do sometimes with really wanting to be a perfectionist. You know, like what they talk about with Pisces sometimes is Pisces feels guilty just separating from source, you know, that divine place where we're all one, that love that you're talking about, and incarnating into a human body. And so Pisces is always kind of struggling with that separation issue. And here we have that Virgo, which just kind of grounds everything. Thing. So I look at this, that wellness piece or that holistic piece is kind of like body, mind, and soul. Yes. Right. And that, you know, like you were saying about Pisces being that sort of separation, that urge or that longing or just that inclination and yet the guilt on that, whereas Virgo is very distinct and very separate. Mm -hmm. Right. And how can you balance both? How do you know that there is uniqueness, distinctness where that can work for you in terms of your life? But at the end of the day, we are all connected. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And then what comes after that new moon is we have full Jupiter. moon, full moon. Excuse me, full moon, full moon, new moon. So what's next on the calendar is Jupiter, of course. And Jupiter has been in Scorpio, and it's about ready to go retrograde. So the Jupiter station starts on. So so Jupiter turns retrograde on the eighth. And so what does that mean? It turns retrograde. What does a station mean? So a station is a term that we use that reflects when a planet is about to shift directions. Now, again, the planet's not actually turning around in the sky. <laughs> it's, an, it's an illusion from our perspective on Earth based upon the planetary orbits that it does look like, though, that it is traversing through the sky that we see. So the days before a planet shifts directions and the days after, it slows down. And it's thought that when that planet slows down, it's 
archetypes, all that it represents become very loud mm. in the kairos, in the collective, in the zeitgeist. So again, Jupiter does turn retrograde every year, right? right. So these Jupiter stations, so the station retrograde once a year, the station direct, which will happen in July this year, once a year. So I have lots to say. It's very Jupiter that I have lots to say about Jupiter, <laughs> but like I want to turn it back over to you. Like, well, What are your thoughts about Jupiter station, Jupiter and Scorpio well, stationing? You know, Jupiter and Scorpio, I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart, so it's really been stimulating a lot for me, especially in those very Scorpion themes of going in deep and really, you know, uncovering that divine mystery and, you know, who you are on those deeper levels, right? And so, you know, to me, when I think about a Jupiter retrograde, Jupiter is such an expansive, gaseous, big planet. I think, boy, I don't know if Jupiter likes going retrograde, right? But I think the great thing about it is it gives us more time to kind of really dig into that Scorpio energy, which you really can't do in a fast way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I love when thinking about, like, I agree with you, like Jupiter is so expansive. And I oftentimes think about the time when Jupiter's retrograde, again, retrograde, this turning inward Mm -hmm. and Jupiter wisdom and learning and the guru and like this gorgeous time to really look within, to find the light, to find the guru within. And I do really feel like this whole second week, you know, that is of March around the 8th is Again, Jupiter getting really loud, bigness and expansion, like looking for themes of that all around and that really strong opportunity and inclination through that digging, Mm -hmm. right? So I would think too, like during retrograde, excuse me, went during Jupiter stations is, you know, things may feel very promising and very large. So you do have to sort of, you know, this sense (laughs) of great possibility, but just watch for either yourself or others with the overpromise. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then how long will Jupiter be retrograde? It goes direct in July? It goes direct in July. And um, I can tell you exactly. I don't know off the top (laughs) of my head. She's going through her little calendar. I did know. I did know. Um, Jupiter stations direct on July 10th. Okay. So it traverses um, from 24 degrees Scorpio to 13 degrees Scorpio. If anybody knows their chart and wants to see where, you know, what territory is being revisited during this. But I definitely feel like this week, like gorgeous opportunities Mm. of really digging in. Where can you really grow by uncovering and unearthing and being as honest as humanly possible, right? Where honesty can actually be incredibly healing. I think one of the things that I've really noticed about having Jupiter and Scorpio is just the opportunity to be authentic. You know, because Scorpio has so much to do with kind of like our dark or shadow side. And that buoyancy of Jupiter, you know, in exploring that shadow side in just some ways makes it more, I don't know, dealable or, you know, relatable in some ways. And so I think, again, as you're talking about the opportunity in this, I think once we embrace that dark side or that shadow, it allows us that opportunity to be really, truly authentic in how we express ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And I've noticed, too, I like that word dealable. You know, that, <laughs> and I've noticed that with people, right? Like that which seemed before to be so heavy and so intense that people would really keep a distance from. I mean, most people, right? You know, just sort of generally. There is 
almost like there's more of a welcoming or there's a little bit more of an mm-hmm. ease mm-hmm. or sort of a natural feeling to want to go to those places, yes. Yes. have those conversations, explore those topics, look within, as if we just are finding that it's just a little bit easier to rest in that. Right, right. I mean, retrogrades are always a time to kind of take a step back, right? Realign, reevaluate, commune on a deeper level. Yeah, exactly. So moving on, um, then what we have coming up in our astro calendar is, of course, we have the new moon on the 17th, and the new moon is in Pisces. And this new moon is uh, a little bit different or unique uh, because it actually is conjunct Chiron. Now, Chiron is often known as the wounded healer. So, Stephanie, what do you think about this? The new moon in Pisces with that, and the conjunction means that they join together in Chiron. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the sun and the moon are occupying a similar space, Mm -hmm. similar zodiacal section, part, as if we will, as Chiron is. So first, new moon in Pisces, new moon, begin again, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. What new chapter or chapters may you want to invite into your life that have to do with a deeper connection to compassion, empathy, your muse, Mm. healing, that sense of where you recognize that, you know, namaste consciousness. We are all connected. The soulfulness. The soulfulness. Yes, yes. What new chapters can you invite in in terms of soulfulness? Mm -hmm. Now, again, and if you know your chart, right, you would see where does 27 Pisces fall in your chart? Which house does it fall in? Does it connect to any planets or pivotal points? This can also give you some insights into what is being ushered in. Mm -hmm. But even with not, right, again, that tuning into a new chapter in soulfulness, a soulful orientation. Right, and I think also with that Pisces energy, Pisces is a kind of a quiet, internal, like we're talking about soulful energy. So this new chapter, it's not like a big, loud bang. You know what I mean? It's more kind of like this is such a great time to be meditating and being quiet and being in that still that still place. And, you know, Pisces also uh, has a lot to do with the imagination, you know. And so it's really also this great time to kind of like pull in and engage with your imagination and see what kind of comes like you're talking about those muses you know just coming um spending time with that more inner landscape yeah you know and it's interesting i'm actually having this experience now because we are recording this a couple days before march and we are in the (laughs) the swell of this piscean energy that um, you know, this sort of feeling of like dreaminess or being mm. a little bit unmoored. Spacey. Spacey, you know, and, and I'm sort of in this. I'm like, wait, where are my words? Where are my words? And then it's really turning back over to that trust, mm-hmm. right? That that knowingness is within me, that knowingness is within you, you know, and to really source from that spot. Because, you know, Pisces is an intuitive sign. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so different than that Virgo. You know, we come from the Virgo full moon. Pisces is like, you know, it's not where everything makes rational, linear, A plus B equals C. The Pisces is more in that intuitive, symbolic, uh, you know, musical, 
archetypal space, right? And so if you can just work it, I'm, I have to tell you, I'm watching Stephanie and she's swaying <laughs> back and forth. You're working with that Pisces energy of just allowing yourself to go with the flow yes. and really tap into more that universal flow of consciousness. Yes. It's funny because I can feel myself like just <laughs> wanting to get lost in talking about Pisces and then being like, okay, wait, there's more to the month. But still like, right, you're just getting yeah. lost in the sea of Pisces. So to get, and also then to pull it back in terms of the Chiron piece, right? Right, right. right. Um, so the new moon with Chiron, Chiron being the wounded healer, right? Looking to see where within our life we have these spots of sorrow, mm. right? And that spot of sorrow or spots of sorrow, things that may have occurred to us maybe even early in our life, and those things that we, that etched us, right, that we mm. couldn't heal, like our wounds. And where can you during this time both see if you can find another bit of level of healing with that and are really to embrace that and to source from that because like Chiron, you know, we take those wounds and even though like he couldn't heal himself, the ability to source into that to offer that to others. Right, and Chiron is the archetype of the wounded healer, right, right, right? You know, and and he was the archer, and he accidentally shot an arrow into his hip, and he's immortal, so he can't die, and so he travels throughout the world looking for this wisdom. And you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about with Chiron uh, is about embracing your story. You know, mm -hmm. it's like embracing that whole story and that whole sense of self because Chiron also, it's our wounds, but it's also what bridges us to our life path or our higher destiny. Yes. And bridges us to others, right? So that you can oh, actually yes. really stand in the shoes of another who has gone through that which you have. So instead of me coming to you and saying, oh, this happened to you, let me, and trying to help hold a space of healing, if you yourself have experienced mm. that, you can really stand in that space, right? And that is where so many of the gifts of healing come. Especially in Pisces, right? Because what you're talking about is just like empathy, yeah. you know, being able to be in that very empathetic state, you know, and Pisces has so much to do with that collective and where we all come together as one. And maybe part of that all coming together is really recognizing everybody's wounded. Yes, exactly. Right. And that as are you. And also where are, you know, this new moon with Karen, what are your unique healing gifts? Ooh, that's good. Yes, And yes. that doesn't mean that that's, you know, as you professionally, you are in the healing arts. Like, we all have that capacity to stand for another and others. Yes. So yes. to really maybe focus upon that during, around that time of that new moon. Yeah, that's, that's great. I love that. So just to shift gears a little bit, because then what we have... A little bit. On, a little bit, <laughs> right? Because what after Pisces, you know, we go into Aries. So we go from the water energy into this very bold and aggressive fire energy. And, you know, part of that is the spring equinox, uh, and that ushers in this new energy of Aries. Right. And so Aries being very fire-oriented, very self-initiating, very do, action, right. desire-oriented, you know, fighting. What do you fight for? What do you mm -hmm. want to fight for? What launch, you know, the sort of feeling of being pulled onto the battlefield. So it's <laughs> right. very, as opposed to Pisces being very flowing, this is very like 
Now, now, action-oriented. Right. Right. So the energy is very different as we shift, you know, it, during the vernal equinox, which is spring in the northern hemisphere and then does usher in fall in the southern hemisphere. And soon after that, right, on the 22nd of March, we have this year's, or this, excuse me, the first of this year's Mercury retrogrades. Ah, yes, the Mercury retrograde. So what are your thoughts on Mercury retrograde? Well, you know, I'm thinking, I was thinking about this as we were talking about that Jupiter retrograde, right? And, you know, every retrograde is different because it depends on what sign Mercury is in. And I think that Mercury is more comfortable in some signs than others, especially in a retrograde motion. So this Mercury retrograde is in the sign of Aries, right? And here we have Aries, the warrior, get going, start, conquer, you know, all that energy in the Mercury retrograde says, wait a minute, slow down, regroup. So this might be a little bit of a, you know, a contrary energy here. Yeah. Like how do you use, you know, Mercury, the planet of communication, that spirited, you know, language, your spirited voice, you know, that, you know, using your words to fight for something, to clearly, you know, with animation communicate something. But it's about, wait, go slow wait, rethink this, wait, go back and revisit this story or this fact. Mercury and Aries, right? That's not really like simpatico in a way. So it's really important, I think, maybe even more so than some other times when Mercury's in other signs, to really follow the precepts of Mercury retrograde about going slow, taking pause, revisiting ideas, revisiting territory, revisiting conversations that you have had, likely in the more recent past. Right. As opposed to like, you know, got to move out there, got to go forward, (laughs) got to, you know, got to push on. Right. And, you know, thinking about the Mercury retrograde in Aries, it's like perhaps it's an opportunity to kind of stabilize and ground that Aries energy, right? Mm. And maybe look, redefine your sense of what power is, you know, as you move through the world. Aries is connected with Mars, you know, like you're saying, that warrior. And it's kind of like how we create life. And so perhaps there's an opportunity with that Mercury retrograde to redefine how we hold power and Maybe we can hold power in a less aggressive way and more in a way that's really about your sovereignty, about really about standing in who you are, where you don't have to overtake anybody else to be that powerful person. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that. I was thinking, too, when you said that, thinking about Aries also, right, being very fiery and very assertive. And also Aries can, when there's strong Aries times, we can also learn about our anger, right? Mm-hmm. Because anger, Aries being related to will mm-hmm. and blocked will, you get frustrated. How do you act? How do you react? So this could be a gorgeous time during this three or so week Mercury retrograde, right, from the 22nd of March through April 15th to look at your own habits, your own patterns. When I get frustrated, you know, what happens in my mind? Like, how does my mind, am I looping? Am I, can I concentrate? You know, how do I use my words? Do I go right into fighting with my words? Or do I feel like actually I'm not, I don't have the agency, Mm -hmm. the, what was the word that you used before? The sovereignty (laughs) to actually use my words to 
stand for myself. So I think this could be a really beautiful use of this time. I agree. I agree. And you know, that's the, I think the opportunity with, you know, different planetary transits is, you know, is how can I work with this transit to learn and grow and evolve, right? And every transit has that possibility. Right. Right. So what's next on our list, Stephanie? Are we going to talk about the full moon or is there... Yeah, let's talk about the full moon. Okay. So the other bookend. The other right? bookend. On March 31st, right? So now we're in Aries season. So we have the full moon, the Libra full moon, sun in Aries, and the moon in Libra. So what would you say just generally before we bring in sort of a really strong theme for this particular new moon, excuse me, full moon this year, what would you say about a Libra full moon. Well, it just so happens I am a Libra. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to this full moon. I also, and maybe this is just the romantic part of me, I love that it's a blue moon. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just something about a blue moon. And I know that technically it doesn't really mean anything, you know, but to me, it kind of adds a little extra magic to the equation. Now, and blue moon meaning, oh, because it's the second, second full, full of, moon of the month. Because it's the second full moon of the month. Right. Right. And the Libra energy to me is very much, first of all, it's very relational, you know, so anytime you're dealing with Libra energy, especially with a full moon, which heightens the energy of the sign, uh, it's really time to be looking at your relationships and what's going on there. Libra is a diplomat and Libra is a negotiator and Libra is always looking for balance and middle ground. And so with that full moon, it's a wonderful time to be looking at all the relationships in your life and what is that cosmic dance, you know, between self and other, right? When do you, you know, move forward and assert yourself? When do you take a step back and receive, right? So it's all kind of, again, about that relational dance. Yeah, nice. I oftentimes think too, right, with Libra and Aries mm -hmm. and a full moon, that balance between the I, which is very Aries, right? The you, which is more Libra and the we. Yes, you know, and, yes. It, and it can't be about the we, and it can't even just be about the you, which would be very Libra, right? The <laughs> I also of the Aries needs to be part of the equation. Absolutely, and the, that's one of the things about Libra is Libra tends to go to extremes. It's either one extreme or another, and part of the Libra karma, and I am familiar with this as a Libra, is we're really looking at middle ground. You know, where is the middle ground? And that's why uh, Libra is actually the sign of balance. Mm -hmm. Where do we need to adjust mm -hmm. to find that harmony, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times that is finding middle ground between yourself and another. Nice. And I like it too, like, to even that phrase, right, to say, like, where do where do I find middle ground? But to not forget the I, right, because the I is also that Aries. It's not just yeah. like, oh, there needs to be middle ground. Where can I take a stand? How can I find it to be important to me, right, to help create this middle ground, the Aries? Right, and that's the great thing about, or the interesting thing about astrology, it's based on polarities, right? We, on the Earth plane, which is the uh, plane of duality, uh, when we look at one astrological sign, we're always looking at the opposite sign, right? And the key, again, is to how can we integrate both of those, the I and the we. Yeah. So this full moon is particularly, <laughs> um, what word should I use? I want to use the word interesting. <laughs> charge. Charge. There That's you go. That's a good one. Yeah. And the reason being, as well as because the sun and the moon are square 
Mars, and Saturn. So Mars and Saturn will come together in a conjunction on April 2nd in the sign of Capricorn. Mm-hmm. The last time that Mars and Saturn came together was in August 2016. So this doesn't happen all that much. So first to talk about Mars and Saturn together, and then we're going to bring it back to the full moon. Yes. Mars is the planet of will and assertion. It's the warrior. What, again, calls me into battle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how am I in battle? It's that movement. It's it's that soldiering. It's fighting for self. It's fighting. It's fighting for self. It's yes. fighting. It's assertion. It's yes. will. Saturn is very disciplined and thoughtful and slow. (laughs) And so Mars and Saturn, we're going to look at sort of where sort of the bounty or the constructivity of that is in a second. But first, let's talk about the other side. You know, Mars with Saturn can get very frustrated. I want to move. Saturn's like, wait, let's just check out the blueprints first, right? (laughs) This sort of sense of like, of bottled up will or restriction, right? So that can just, in terms of something to just watch around this time is, again, if things are going slower, if I feel like I'm blocked, how do I react? And how do I also react so that I don't explode? Right, right. That Saturn-Mars combination is so interesting, right? Because they're just so at odds with each other. And then bring in the element of Capricorn with that. Right. So Capricorn, you know, and Saturn is very happy in Capricorn. (laughs) Capricorn is about that slow, sustainable creation and movement, right? So, So what it can really teach us is, okay, I am moving forward and I'm doing it in a way where I am inventorying the environment. I'm inventorying what I need. I'm inventorying why I'm even using my will and being very thoughtful. And maybe I'm also, to bring in Saturn, thinking about it from a perspective of, I'm not just creating or asserting myself in sort of some flash-in-the-pan way. Like, how can I be so thoughtful and diligent about using my resources, about pushing forward for something that has sustainability, some sort of structure that I am creating in my life, something that really does have lasting value and Mm -hmm. lasting ground. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing about that aspect is... It does remind me of uh, on March 24th of this month, we are going to be having the, uh, what are they calling that? March for Our Lives. March for Our Lives, uh, about anti-gun violence. And when you think about Mars, which can be a violent planet, right? And then you think about Capricorn as the patriarchal structure old guard, it kind of brings in an interesting energy. Yeah, and it's interesting, on the 24th, we have the sun and air squaring this Mars. You know, so there's lots of potential for energy and literally people like, you know, fighting with their feet, (laughs) like getting on the street to proclaim what they believe in. And then also likely people showing up in terms of other, you know, other sides of what people believe in. So just there's that March 24th has this incredible heightened energy Mm -hmm. for this. Right. Um, And again, how do you use that energy? And how do you use that energy? And how do you use it so that those different sides can communicate? I mean, I really think Mars-Saturn is about the long game. Yes. Yes. 
thing is, you're in Aries season, and Aries season is not about the long game. Right. Right. Aries season is about the now. And so how do you use and tap into that energy and that inspiration and that flame and know that you can source that in terms of using that as an asset and as currency for the long game in terms of what you want to have created? Right. And remember that Saturn, especially in Capricorn, is all about foundations and structures and organizations and corporations and all of those very traditional, you know, things. And so with that Mars energy, there's just this tremendous opportunity to recreate, as you're saying, rebuild or restructure how we've kind of seen things. Exactly, exactly. And why this is important, granted, we're saying the conjunction is on on April 2nd, but what you find is that the times when planetary alignments like this are um, really heightened is when there's like a translator or transmitter. The sun is one, the moon is one. And so here you have this Mars-Saturn tying into this full moon on the 31st. So I would say, right, like probably from around the 24th all through the beginning of April, that Mars-Saturn energy really strong. Yes. And you know, as we're talking in our conversation today, what's really resonating with me is I think we keep talking about that whole idea of not being reactionary. You know what I mean? And so here we have another opportunity to mindfully work with the energy, ground the energy, and not just get into that, you know, aggressive reactionary state. Right, which is what we've been for a really, really long time. And if can I say one more thing about that? You, <laughs> of course. Something I didn't even think about is here we are almost at the end of Uranus and Aries, right? So right. Uranus will go, and it's been there since, what, 2011, I think? Um, It will go into Taurus for a spell from May 15th through the beginning of November, dip back into Aries, the beginning of November through March of next year. So we're really at the end of this, right? And Uranus and both Uranus and Aries, right? It's been a very reactionary time. It has. This is what I want. Right. This is like we Revolution. Are, and, and rebellion. Yes. And so, you know, I wonder too if at now, you know, because Uranus again is about repatterning and sort of breaking out of the mold, if we might, I didn't think about this before and I've thought about Uranus and Aries a lot, but what you said was so important. You know, maybe we're also repatterned and we'll start to see how being reactionary has created a conversation and has moved things forward, but also how it's not just our friend, it actually has been our foe, right? And how right. can we repattern our relationship to reaction, being reactionary? Does that well, make sense? It I'm totally makes gave. sense, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because this is a major thing, <laughs> astrologically, Uranus, you know, an outer planet moving into a new sign. I see it as a full circle moment. You know what I mean? I think there's an opportunity. Remember at the beginning of transits or energies, we um, it's our first, you know, initiation into the energies, right? And then as we get to know it and we work with it and we define it, then as it comes full circle, maybe we've mastered it. Yeah in some ways. And maybe there's that potential there. Yeah. I can't wait for the next in April and in May that we're going to talk more about this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you have some wellness suggestions for us for the month. Yes. So what would you prescribe? By the way, I want to just say one thing quickly. Like, I don't know about you, but I've definitely noticed the shift in my own energy since we've been talking about Aries. I know. It's like totally different. It's like I'm on top of it. (laughs) It's so funny. So the wellness suggestions for this month would be wellness suggestions for Mercury Mercury retrograde time. So what I would recommend is if you have challenges related to patience, 
right? Okay, I need to have more patience to wait to have that conversation. I need to have more patience to be able to rewrite and rework this marketing plan or what have you. I love the flower essence impatience. It is amazing in terms of helping us to forge a better relationship and understanding of time. And it does, true to its name, help to curb impatience <laughs> and impetuousness. The other flower essence I would recommend during Mercury retrograde times is cosmos. Mm. The reason being is that oftentimes we get a little tongue-tied. Like our, we have so many thoughts and thoughts that are coming from outside and thoughts that are being stirred from within ourselves, right? Very retrograde, that the ability to take those thoughts, synthesize, excuse me, ability to, I need cosmos, the ability to take those thoughts, synthesize them, and very effectively share them and speak them may be hindered. So cosmos is really wonderful for that. Definitely things like journaling, you know, mm-hmm. definitely things relaxing, whatever you can do to go slow. I actually really like even, don't laugh at this, but I like doing exercises where I'm going for a walk and I'm walking forward and I take some time to walk backwards, uh-huh. right? I mean, literally, because it's like something yeah. you're getting that motion into your body and you're actually able to see things in your landscape that you didn't see before. Yeah, absolutely. So try the backwards walking Abs- exercise during Mercury retrograde. Absolutely. And what about our tarot card for the month. That's right. For each So Divine podcast, we choose a tarot card at random for the month. And the card that came up this month is the Page of Cups. And cups are the realm of water, and pages are like children. Pages don't know what they want to be when they grow up. And so a page energy is this kind of youthful and innocent and open. Pages are like they're here for the adventure. They're here to explore. They're not about committing to anything. They're not about, you know, what's going to happen next. They're very, very much in the moment. And so this page is in water, and it's kind of like that Piscean energy that we were talking about at the beginning of the month, about our feelings and our emotions and being compassionate. And so I always see the Page of Cups as a little bit as a vulnerable page because this page, you know, hasn't grown up and put on all of its armor, you know, about how I feel about things and how I experience life. And so to me, the Page of Cups is this opportunity to be vulnerable and to be open and to open your heart and to really walk through life with this open heart and see what life has to show you. That's so beautiful. And so good for the Pisces, right? So good for the Pisces. In question, is the page energy then a little bit Aryan? Like an Aries, excuse me, like where it's or not really, like where it's like the fresh start. Well, yeah, beginning? absolutely. Pages uh, you know, are that uh, new beginning energy. Mm-hmm. So it is like Aries, just like a page could be kind of like an ace. Yeah. You know, it's like it's a new it does carry that new beginning energy. You're very right. Nice. Good association. The page of <laughs> cups. cups. Yes. That is our card. So before, anything else to say before we wrap no, up? No, I think we're good. This has been so much fun, it's Stephanie. Been so much fun. And again, I'm just so taken by the fact that like we were like living those energies, like at least I can say for myself, like being so watery and where are my words in the beginning during the Pisces time? And then we're just like, like fast I, and quick. And I'm awake now. Exactly. And I'm, I'm awake and now we have to end. Exactly. So we do want to give a shout out to all those who have helped us to create So Divine Podcast. Yes. So Divine Podcast is recorded at the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. Big, big shout out to our audio engineer, Nick Petrie. And a big shout out to our sound editor, Sebastiano Tecchio. 
Yes. And also, we need to tell people where they can get in touch with us, right? Yes. Because we love hearing your feedback, your suggestions, your comments. That's really great. And of course, I can't remember our, <laughs> our email address. So, Stephanie. Take it away. Take it away. Our email address is so divine ventures at gmail.com. And you can find this podcast, which you've probably found this podcast either on my <laughs> website, stephaniegaling.com, or Megan's website, which is meganskinner.com. And if you get it on iTunes, you can subscribe to it. And so it'll come through immediately once we submit it. And also, if you love this podcast, please rate it or review it and share it with your friends. And we also, Stephanie and I are both on Instagram, and so you can follow our journeys there. So thank you so much for joining us for the March edition of So Divine. Thank you. See you next month. See you next month. See you next month.